Today again is our school of prayer, and I just feel we should keep on explaining why we are doing what we are doing. And that's because one major work that we have to do for God is this prayer issue. And that's why Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to get tired of praying. It is important we get that point. It is something, if it wasn't so important, Jesus would not have said it. And again, I say it again and again. He said, teach us to pray. The reason is that a lot of times people are not really praying. What they are doing is they are, they are complaining. The fact that he said, teach us to pray, tells us that it doesn't come to us naturally. It's something that we have to learn. And we must be careful to learn it so that it can be effective. I want to remind us again that the Bible says that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord and the earth he has given to the um, sons of men. What that means is simple. Before God can do anything on the earth, he has to recruit and engage the sons of men. Do you understand? So we have two assignments, therefore, for that reason, that because of that. One, we have the assignment to pray. We have the assignment to prophesy. And I'm putting the two of them together. Now, what do I mean by to pray and what do I mean to, by to, to prophesy? They are slightly different, but in the application, we will not do much uh, distinction of them. All right, when we pray, what we are doing is asking God to do something. When we prophesy, we are declaring what he's going to do. I hope you're getting my point. So they are very similar. There is a particular spectrum. One, you are asking. Now, when you are asking, there are two places you get, two reasons you ask. One, because you have desires generated inside you. And two, because he instructs you to ask. Or what I mean is this. If you have a need, you ask. Sometimes you don't have a need. He just tells you, this I will want you to ask. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. You did not think there was a problem. He said there is a problem. I hope I get my point. So whatever it is, whichever way you generated the desires, if you ask, then he will do the thing that you... I mean, now let me quickly say this. This is important I say it. People make it look like once you ask, God must do it. It's not true. That's why he said you must ask how? According to his will. What you are asking must be that which he wants to do. Okay? It's important. It's important we learn that. So the two of them, what you are asking for and what he wants to do, okay, must rhyme. Now, how do you know what he wants to do? It is simple. That which he has already declared. When John said that, if we ask according to his will, he wasn't saying that you never can tell you. It may be the will of God. It may not be the will of God. One thing, like I said last time, well, what I'm saying now is connected to last time zone, but I want to switch the, um, the topic, okay? Like I said last time, our desires must be based on what? The word of God, because that's what abides forever. When your desire is based on the word of God, then double-mindedness can easily be tackled because the word of God abides forever. But when John said that thing, that if you ask according to his will, the way some of us interpret is that we don't know what God is saying. We don't know what he's doing. So we'll just ask. And if he, if he coincides with his will, then good, we are lucky. But that was not what John was saying. What John was saying, you must understand, one day you see, I went through, I'll be reading the scriptures, the words of Paul, the words of James, especially people like James and Peter, okay, and John. I found out that almost everything, almost everything they say, Jesus said, you will find where the Lord Jesus said it. Almost everything. So when John said, if you ask according to his will, he was just amplifying what Jesus said earlier. Abide in me. If my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. You get my point? And it will be done. That's what he was applying, amplifying. He wasn't saying anything different. Jesus had told them, if my words abide in you, then you will ask. What he was saying is that 
if my words abide in you, we said it last time, then your desires will be generated from that interaction. I hope you're getting my point. Your desires will be generated by that interaction. The reason why we are worldly in our desires is simply because we interact too much with the world. And once I read it, um, a young man, I don't know where I read it, but whether it's uh, um, WhatsApp or Twitter, he said that he has decided to unfollow some accounts. All right? And since that time, his life has been at ease. That pressures in his soul disappeared. Because before, you are following a star, you are following a movie star, an artist, somebody who makes a lot of noise, a rich man, and of course, I hope you know. Let's be honest. People lie normally. The place they lie the most is on social media. They lie normally. They are not on social media, they are lying. They now get to social media. What do you think they are doing? Telling truth? They, why should they tell you the truth about their lies? The date of birth they give Twitter is not even correct. Twitter has a wrong date of birth for them. They lie. Human beings lie. They do anything to generate views, likes, follows, all the, the parameters that measure success in social media activity. They will do whatever it is. So be careful when you are following people. So that young man that day said, hey, one day he decided to stop following all those, all those very successful people, apparently, that is apparently successful, that he decided to follow all the hustling people. If you see somebody advertise, buy the shoe I make, you follow that person. If you see somebody advertise, buy the food I cook, you follow that person. Please retweet, my customer may, may, may be on your timeline, you follow that person. He said after that time, he realized that his life was normal. <laughs> he said he realized that he was not really a failure like he thought. He realized that many of my brethren are going through the same struggles that I'm going through. As for those who, who sing one song and make 50 million naira, it's not bad though, but that's not my, that's, they, are, they are not my brethren, if I use that expression. Let me, let me say associate with the lowly. So he chose to associate with a group of people and peace of mind came to him. I don't know the fellow. He wrote a comment on social media. They were essentially advising people, be careful who you follow. Don't follow people. Always say, I want to buy myself a Breitling or wasn't of that watch. Anyway, an Odomar Piguet for Christmas. And they'll take a picture of the watch, which is smaller than mine, and cost like 500,000 times the price of my own. Take a picture of the watch and put take a picture of the um, receipt and put on social media. And then somebody will now be saying that, ha, tell your father to go and look for a job with him. Those who know what I'm talking, they know what I'm talking about. At the end of the day, my boy is in prison. Is he in Chicago or where? I think they should tweet the prison too because it's not fair. You can't tweet the car. No, I post the thing on Instagram. You post the car, post the watch, post everything. Then you will not post the prison. Is it good? It's not fair. We want to see the inside of the prison. We want to see you sagging in the prison. We want to see everything. The way you will go fly to Europe and they send to us that I'm flying my private jet, just going to Switzerland for the weekend. We want to see when you are washing plates in the prison too. So that we can tell our children the whole story. We can't tell. That album is not complete. It's like you take a picture of the bride and the groom as they're about to leave the house. You didn't show you, didn't show you may kiss the bride. Is, it, is that the complete wedding album? That's not a complete wedding. No, you know, wedding album. You start with the, those brides, wicked brides. 
they will not come out on time so that Pastor Panky can go to where he's going. They will be taking pictures. They are putting eyeliner, mascara, lipstick. They, they will take everything as they are wearing the veil, as they are wearing the shoe. Man of God is in church waiting. No? The next one of you that keeps me waiting, you will wear yourself. She, I'm warning you now. I'm using the opportunity to warn everybody. If you come and say, Pastor Banky, do anything for me, remember that Pastor Banky has promised you. If you come one minute late, you won't find him. You'll be there taking photo. Me, I'm here. Pray. You are taking picture. Don't worry. I'm looking for who I'll put on standby to wear you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a quick distraction, all right, or digression. So it won't be right for us to take pictures as you are leaving the house. I will now give you the album. See what happened. The camera jam after you, 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 you're about to enter the venue. Is that a complete photo album? I want to see where you take picture at the beginning. And when they dance, 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 down to the end, that's a complete photo album. So whoever was posting on Instagram for us as they chop expensive food, she also posted for us as they chop for prison beans and, you know, prison beans. It's important. As you post for us when you are flying private jet to Switzerland for the weekend, post for us as you are entering into Black Maria to go to court. The Lord is good. What am I saying? So when we interact too much with vanity, we start desiring vanity. That's the point I'm making. When we interact too much with vain people, vanity becomes our desires. But when you interact so much with the word of God, listen, I've had the personal experience in that area. You'll be amazed at how things are around, don't you? You don't even notice them. You don't even notice them. Told the story of once I went to Benin. My brother was laughing at my shoes. I didn't say anything wrong with the shoes. I thought I looked really nice. All of them were laughing. But I remember I won't mention the name of the person because all of you know the person. I told him, I said, Can you believe that this, these sisters were laughing at my shoe? He said, I do not want to talk. Cool. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. You know who I'm talking about, but don't mention his name. I said, you too. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you the honest testimony. At that time, I actually had money to buy shoes. But you know what? I was always buying tapes, buying books, duplicating tapes. Always. So much that I, don't, I didn't notice. I seriously didn't notice. I spent all my time studying the scriptures. I spent all my time listening to messages. I spent all my time reading books. Spend all my time going from one church to the other. Those days, some people will say that Bishop Udipo is doing like this. Hey, it's not good. Do you know I never noticed? They say he drives a, what's the car he was driving that time? What's the name of this big Lincoln? Navigator. I didn't, listen, if he passed me the Navigator, I would not have noticed and I would be trekking. Because the words he was preaching in church, ha, ah, the thing was so much. I couldn't notice anything else. I couldn't. Many of our problems in life, eh, is where we are focused. You, start, you suddenly realize that you have so many problems. People were looking at me that laughing at me. I didn't even understand that I, anything was funny. That day when they finished, finished laughing, I got back to Lagos, went and bought myself two pairs of very, 
I said, I remember the name of both pairs of shoes. One of them was Lord's, the other one was St. Michael's Loafers. I paid good money for it, for them. And next time I showed up, I saw one brother's shoes. His shoes looked funny, so I gave him a pair of them. I bought two sets. Give him one. This is your size. Yeah, he tried to say, was well, okay, good. You can have it. It was back to one. I did it. Listen, I'm telling you the truth. I, <sighs> morning after, that, that was the season I told you that I calculated Bishop Edipo alone that I listened to. Nothing less than 500 hours in the space of like eight months. Not, that's an estimate, which I'm, I'm very conservative deliberately in that estimate. A lot of things I teach today, a lot of things I, you know, that form my decisions that I made that by which I'm living life today. These are the times I learned those things. Interacting with the word of God generates desires for you. It will tell you what to like and what not to like. It will tell you what to want and what not to want. It does. The word of God does that. It will help you process things in life. If I remember one day, <laughs> my mother and I were speaking. I went home. She started talking about people going abroad. Of course, what people used to see is that, ah, this person went abroad. Look at how, this, how well the people here are now doing. Ah, since he's been abroad, the father has now built a house, you know, those kind of stories, which makes me laugh. You know, it makes me laugh. You know why it makes me laugh? It's only the ones that have built a house that you are seeing. I can assure you 90% who went somewhere and building that. They are not, they are, I hope you're getting my point. So one of those days I was talking to my mother. She was just, she brought up the issue. <laughs> just had to broach the subject. That was years ago. Before the subject hit the ground, I had given her an answer. The Archbishop Bidawosa used to say, a lizard in Nigeria will not become an alligator in America. That, that was my answer. <laughs> that was Archbishop's quote. That is, before we went near this, before the subject dropped on the ground, I had given my answer. And the answer was straightforward. A lizard in Nigeria will not become an alligator in America. That's Archbishop Benson Dawsa. Quoted that thing so many times. That day when I said to my mother, I said, you have come again. I said, I have come. I have come. Get used to it. You couldn't swim with some things. Why? Because, not because I was strong in myself. That's what we don't understand. We don't have strength in ourselves. Though. Like, who, which man of God said it? He saw a... You know, a drunkard on the street. He said, there goes I, but for the grace of God. That is, I could be like that, but for the grace of God. I say it all the time, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not stand by themselves. Grace made them stand. Could they have bowed down? There was no chance. There was not one chance in a million. At that time, they could have bowed. They couldn't have. If they wanted to bow, God would put a steel rod in their back. They are not bowing. You know why? They made a decision long ago, and grace was given to them. That was not the day the decision was made whether to bow or not to bow. That day, grace was what was carrying them. I'm talking about what? Interacting with the word of God from where we generate. It generates desires for you. Many times we want to know the will of God. I say, I just know this is God's will. That's not the wrong statement. But you know what I found out from experience? Most times people say that it has no meaning. What I mean is this. If somebody comes to me now and says, I just know this is the will of God. You may yourself come to my face and say, You say, what does that mean? Nothing. Because when you tell me it's the will of God, you know what I've, what I've heard over time? That's what you want to do. 
And now because you know me, you know, you know, you want to persuade me, you don't want me to talk. Use the will of God to shut me down. Please follow me. So people sometimes when they say that, I am not impressed. You know why I'm not impressed? Because the truth is that when we think we know the will of God, we just think it's the will of God. You can be wrong. Also, Chambers said, the person who is truly walking in the will of God walks in it naturally without even recognizing deliberately that this is the will of God. I hope you're getting my point. For example, if you ate breakfast this morning, you probably didn't pray that, God, should I eat this morning? You know why you ate breakfast? Because you were hungry. You got up, you ate. You didn't say, God, shall I eat, shall I not eat? You just got up, you ate, and the food was available. All you did was what? Give thanks. Please, I hope you can follow my point. And the truth, as what Jimbas was explaining, that that's how the will of God is supposed to be to the child of God most of the times, actually. That it should be as natural as breathing. Now, this is what this point I want to make. We don't know the will of God at the moment that we start trying to know it. You get to know the will of God because you have habitually been soaking yourself with the will of God. Now, what do I mean by the will of God? The things that are, he wrote, generally speaking. Do you get my point? Listen, best example. You want to pray. You're a single man or a single woman, and the matter of marriage comes up. Just by knowing, be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever. There's no discussion again on, you not take somebody who's not born again to prayer. You don't. You don't. God, do you want me to marry this man? Ah. Is it not clear? God has made it clear to you. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not born again. He only comes to church because you go to church. You know, there are those who follow you to church. I know some women hear you. If I tell you to put up your hand, you've had that. It's very common with women. One guy will just start following you to church. Listen, once you start going to the church before that person, don't agree. Say, so, yeah. Tell him go to another church. If you won't stop coming, you change church. If he cannot go to church without you for six months, he's not born again. It's what he's looking for. It's what is that's what's bringing him to church. So automatically you know this is not the, it's not about prayer, Father God in the name. No, if you have to pray about that, you will pray with Jesus kind of attitude. Lord, were you not for ah, I really like the guy, but nevertheless. I don't know whether you're getting my point. No, there's nothing. Look, there's no need to lie. There's a guy is not even fine. He's fine. Let's not lie. <laughs> he wants to show off his money. You are impressed by his money. Why are you pretending? Last time you came to church, he carried you in his car. Didn't you see the difference? <laughs> Why are you doing like you don't? You know, listen, me. <laughs> Let's say the truth. What you just do that when he finishes dropping your car and then the you know you know when you step out of an AC car and the heat, especially this season every year hot like this. Last week you came to the car, it was in Keke. When you came the other time it was boss. You had to put your shoes in the nylon bag. You know the way women do. <laughs> it's true now. And they see them as they approach church. They are walking small, small, small. When they get to the gate of the church, <laughs> they change enter like this. You know? <laughs> Now enter like penguin. <laughs> but if it's one that's coming to carry, you don't need the slippers. You don't. You wear your six-inch 
Nail, you know? Needle, no, not even nail. You enter, and they drop you right at the door. The ushers will even help you open the door. It is sweet. Let us not lie. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And when we are saying it's not like God, if this can be your will, mm, we are saying we know your will. We will not be carried away by the car. We will not be carried away by the comfort. We will not be carried away by the fact that it's handsome. We will not be carried away by anything, even though the flesh wants to. But we will use our mouths to give direction to our soul and our spirits, and then our flesh will follow. Say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What you are saying, I have lent your will. And your will says, be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's how to pray. It's not Father God, I'm just thinking. Don't think, it's a sin. It is a sin. Not that is, once it's clear, it's a sin. What am I saying? When we interact with the word of God, it generates desire. That's what I'm talking about, the will of God. Interacting with the word all the time, it is not, look, you make decisions all the time, every day. Whether you should use this staircase or use the other staircase, it's a decision. Whether you should take a bus going this way or that way, it's a decision. Whether you should take this road when you're driving or this way, it's a decision. A truck is coming, can I pass the road before it gets to this point? It's a decision, you make it every day. So I'm telling you, no, 999 out of a thousand decisions you make, on a regular basis, you don't consciously consult God. And he doesn't have a problem with that. What he just said is that I will guide you by my spirit all the time. That is, before the time of that decision, you should have been interacting with the spirit of God. So that the right thing to do, you do it them automatically, without even resorting to asking questions. That is the real thing about working in the will of God. I've seen people that make it a habit to be asking questions all the time. Before we cross the road, let us pray. Do we cross here or cross there? God is looking like, listen, do you want to live on this earth or I should kill you now? Because this one you are doing, you are giving me too much work to do. And you now see they become so ridiculous. Wait, the Lord said don't cross yet. And you are looking at the guy like, what? Now, it will have been impressive except that you hear it every day. I mean, if somebody has never said it, said wait. You know you're like, mm. But when the guy wanted to eat, say, should we eat rice or beans? Let us pray. And the Bible will say, I really don't care the one you eat. Make up your mind. So he open his eyes. Now that's what God is saying, no. But what he's hearing is, mm, uh, I was about to, beans, <clears throat> beans. The Lord said, eat beans. God will give him diarrhea two times with the beans. <laughs> I know what God is doing. He doesn't want his children behaving as if they don't have a brain. What he says is that train your brain with my will. That's what they just said. When you want to teach children how to cross, you don't tell them, to, listen, this is how you cross. You will stand here and say, God, when should I cross this road? Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. Angels of God, hold my hand to cross. Do you ever tell them that? No. You, tell them, you look left. You look right. And then you look left again. If there's enough clearance and you have enough time to cross before the closest car gets to anywhere near you, then you make a dash for it. Now, you don't run, you walk fast. Do you understand? You say yes, and may the Lord be with you. Do you get my point? You are not saying his own strength will keep him, but you teach him how to cross and then bless him as he or she crosses. That's how you train children. Is that not so? That's a decision. That is, crossing the road is a major decision. People have crossed the road wrongly, and that's the last thing they crossed. Is that not true? But what the Lord wants is simple. Be trained. Please, 
anybody listening to this, if you have not read um, my book, Guided by the Spirit, please go and read it. Where, where can you find it? Just go to our website, pastor.ng. Look on that books. It's free to download. Unless you want a, you know, a paper copy, that's the one you have to start looking for where you can find it to buy. But if you don't mind reading digital copies, all right, just download it. It's free of charge. Guided by the Spirit. What am I saying to say? We interact with the Word of God so much that we start thinking the way God thinks. Back to the issue of prayer. In that process, prayer points are generated for us. Let's bear that in mind. So I said, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord. The earth he has given, let me just say, to us. And for that reason, before he does anything on the earth, he asks our permission. He requires our authorization. That is why he has prophets. That is why he has prophets. The prophets, listen, prophets just don't predict. You know, this predicting who will win the match, who will not win the match. At the beginning of the year, many pastors think, land. you know, when we are preaching, we talk to everybody. Let me tell pastors or prophets, whatever you are, you don't owe anybody New Year prophecy. Say so this year, I, you don't owe. Don't be under pressure. Your congregation is waiting for watch nice so you can tell what will happen next year. You don't know. There's nothing wrong with coming to church and say, praise God, let us pray that this year will be good. Ah. People now say, I've seen all kinds of prophecies. And then who told you the Holy Spirit wants to talk on December 31st? You think he w- He may want to release his word January 16th. It may be June 19th he wants to talk. It can be February 29th, which comes up once in four years. He can talk anytime. There's no guarantee. Now, I'm not talking to church members. Now, I'm talking to leaders, pastors. They feel under pressure sometimes to tell people what happened. Sometimes people do. I just sit there watching them like this. This year, the Lord said, I feel like, okay, it's not necessary. Your prediction is not, listen, it's not even going to guide our lives. Say, so this year is going to be hard. Uh-huh. So, what are we going to do now? Was no prayer we were praying before. Nobody hustled with the hustle before. What will now change? If you say this year will be soft, do we stop praying? Sometimes I see, I hear all kinds of prophecies just since January 1st. I'll just be looking at everybody. Where did you say Paul? I say, according to my prophet, I gave you the first day of this year. <laughs> it is not, people think it's not, yeah, that, that makes you a prophet. That's not the job of a prophet, too. Let's get it clear. To be predicting who will win American election. If God tells you, fine. If God doesn't, fine. Whoever he wants to win, we will find out that day. Because if you found out that it is Donald Trump that is going to win, what would you have done differently? It's not to just sit down there and be watching. Occasionally, listen to what I'm going to say. I am not saying God does not reveal such things. I'm just saying it is not the job of a prophet primarily to go around trying to see. See, some prophets are seers, literally. God gave them a special gift. They see all kinds of things. But that is not what defines the prophetic office. Most prophets, that's why, you see, if you read the prophecies of the Bible, eh? <laughs> if you don't have understanding, you'll be angry. There is, I see these prophets are always angry. They have more words of curses 
than they have of blessing. Go and read them. Jeremiah goes, Jeremiah, wake up in the morning. I will dash your children to pieces. Your wives become widows. By the time, if you compare the negative things those boys said, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I'm, I'm bored and it's not, to, it's not a good word to use. Which word do I use, Jukes? I'm, 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 give me a word like, I just tired. Okay, that's the best one. Not discouraged, that's not a good word. The best word is, is pigeon, is pigeon English. I just tired. I just tired, you know. I, no, just, I just, you know, tired in English is very fun, tired. Yes. <laughs> I just tired. I just feel like, how bad cook? Say something else. You could lose Zephaniah, but you look, and some of them, they, they are repeating themselves. Habakkuk will say something, Zephaniah will say it, Haggai will say it, and all of them swear for person, swear for person, swear for person. Now go die, no better, no go come. You know, those kind of things. Do you know why? That's what I want to give. Don't be discouraged. Do you know the reason why? Because God does not want to do any of those things. So they, literally, they are trying to scare the people back towards obedience. The primary assignment of prophets is to guide people into obedience. That is the primary assignment of prophets. God never, when you see him threatening and threatening, these are all threats. He's just hoping they will believe. And if they believe, they will change. That's why you see, as if all the prophets, they will, they will, they will prophesy doom for six chapters, then prophesy hope for one chapter. Why did they do that? It's simple. If you don't listen to the prophecies of doom and get corrected, doom will happen like they have said. But in the midst of the doom, there's some of the prophecies were directed primarily at the people of God. And one thing God said from the beginning is that I will not wipe them out entirely. So there will always be a remnant. So the remnant will have that last chapter of hope to hold on to. But the point I want to make to you is that the primary assignment of prophets is to guide the people into righteousness. So that is why the prophets usually don't talk if they are doing what is right. I hope you're getting my point. They hardly need to say anything. So that's why you seem to hear more of negative things from the prophets than positive. It is simply because if we were doing what was right, they would not be needed. If Israel was obeying God, what's the job of Jeremiah? You know his book is the biggest in the Bible. That's the longest book in the Bible, the book of Jeremiah. Are you not aware of that? Huh? You thought it was Psalms. You thought wrongly. <laughs> it's Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the longest. It's the longest book in the Bible. Most people think it's Psalms. It's not even Psalms. Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophets. Try and read Jeremiah. If you're not tired, you have strength. Jeremiah finished prophesying for Israel. They now started to take the nations around one by one. Prophesy for those ones. They already finished. He looked for the ones that are beyond the seas. Finish those ones. He looked for the ones that are in Africa. Finish those ones. <laughs> Went to Australia. <laughs> he kept on... Pro- the book is long. It's the longest book in the Bible. The book of Jeremiah. I used, me too, I used to think of Psalms. It's not Psalms, it's Jeremiah. If his book wouldn't be half that long, if Israel always obeyed God. That's the point I'm making. So when you see those negative things, it's not because prophets are bad people. It's because their ministry is hardly needed, except people are derailing. It's when they are going in the wrong direction, the prophets will now come to guide them back. Many times they warn. It's not really like a predicting bad will happen to you. It's to let you know this is a consequence of the path you have chosen. If you continue the way you are going, 
this is what will happen to you. So it is not as if you must get up at the beginning of the year and tell what will happen this year. It's not necessary. Now, listen to me. If God reveals, what do we do? We declare it. If God reveals it, you declare it. But you think you have to, at the beginning of every year, tell what will happen in January and February. Are you a horoscope? I'm not a horoscope. Please, I hope you are following what I'm going to say. All right? So the job of prophets, that's what I'm going to emphasize, is to bring the people into alignment with the will of God. Now, I took the word prophets to let you know that it's not just people who see the future, who predict what will happen. That's why I went to do all of that. Because one thing you'll find out is that even though they are specialist prophets, now I'm getting to the main thing I'm trying to explain to us today. Even though they are specialist prophets amongst us, can I use the expression specialist prophets? But generally you see, the whole body of Christ and individuals therein are supposed to be prophets. That's why he said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. That is usually applied to men of God, you know what we call men of God, but God didn't do that. He applied that to the people of God. That expression, touch not my anointed, means do not touch my chosen ones. When he said, do, don't do my prophets any harm, he said, take a sacrifice, go to Abraham, restore his wife. He said, he will pray for you because he's what? A prophet. Abraham was called by God a prophet. The fact that Isaac moved up and down, Sam was referring to that also. He was a prophet. Jacob was a prophet. And you see, most of their prophecies, if you want to use the predictive side of it, is to tell their children what will happen later. They didn't know what was going to happen, you know, who will win the election, who will win the, lose the match. But they'll say to their children, listen, this is the land that God has given to us as an inheritance. Whatever you do, don't live, the, don't live here. That's about the only thing Abraham, in quote, prophesied about, to tell Isaac. But he was spoken of as the prophet of God. I hope you're getting my point. So when he said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm, he wasn't talking about pastor. Don't touch your pastor. Your pastor is specially anointed. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying that's not what he was talking about. When he said, do not, don't do my prophets any harm, he wasn't talking about those people that we call prophets. That scripture applies generally to the body of Christ. So it applies to you. It applies to me. It applies to us individually. It applies to us as a group. I hope you're getting my point. The church is a prophet of God on the earth, not a predictive element on the earth. I'll explain what I'm going to say in a moment. Is a prophet, that is the church as a body, is the prophet of God on the earth. Now you see where I'm going. So remember, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, right? The earth he has given to the sons of men. Now this is what God does. So for him to do something on the earth, the prophets, they must, what they do, their assignment is that you are a human being, God says, I am not. But I, I want my will done on the earth. So this is how he does his will. It is through the activity of the prophets, let's put it like that. They both pray and do what? And prophesy. Now I want us to read something, quickly. The book of Isaiah, chapter 11. So when it says, touch not my anointed... Do my prophets no harm? Remember, who are the prophets? All of us. Both individually and as a group. Isaiah chapter 11. Now I'm just going to start from verse 1 just for the fun of reading. 
But where I'm really going is much further down, which is around verse 9. I want to emphasize something to us today. We've been talking about it for some time, but we've not really specifically talked about it. From verse 1, it said, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor, and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. Now please focus on this verse 6 into verse um, 9. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. Talking about peace, even with the animals. Peace will be everywhere. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the wind child will put his hand on the viper's den. These are dangerous snakes. He said, but why would nothing happen? Look at verse 9. He said, they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Because the mountain is holy? No. What's the reason? For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let me stop reading in verse 9 there. There's something I want to just bring out to us today. I want to give us an assignment, a prayer assignment. Prayer is an assignment from God. Let me remind us of that again. Prayer is an assignment from God for believers. God gave us prayer and subsequently prophecy to direct things in the way that he wants them to go. If your child is not behaving the way he or she should, you don't complain. What do you do? You pray. If the weather is not the way it's supposed to be or it's not a blessing, instead of whining, what do we do? We pray. Listen to this. If the country, either the economy or, this, or the situation of peace, you know, like lack of a fight and all of that, is not going the way we want it to go, what are we supposed to do? Complain? Answer me, complain? Grumble? Blame the president. Why will he travel when doctors are going on strike? That's the kind of comments you hear. Now listen to me. PDP will do that. I hope you know. They are supposed to do. You know why? They are called what? Opposition. They oppose. One thing about opposition is that they always oppose. I've never seen opposition that is not opposed. They even oppose good things. One day, a man that I know to be a believer, he and I had a disagreement on some things. He now said, listen to what I want to say. He now said, the problem with people like me is that we don't appreciate opposition. So I said, oh, so you are opposition. I've never understood why a believer should be opposition. You can't be in the opposition. Because, yeah, that, those were his words. That, you know, he lives abroad. That over here, people appreciate the role of opposition. Opposition keeps government in check. And I felt like I said, bros, we'll agree. But you are not opposition. You're a believer. Believers are not in opposition. 
They don't oppose. They pray. Some people think that people like me, when I chat with some of my classmates and all of that, they think that I always support the government. I say, listen, the negative spirits against them is plenty. I will not join you people. Doesn't mean I always, I, doesn't mean I always agree with all the, the, the policies. In fact, the other day, there's a major policy made recently. A man who knows, who's in that sector, wrote an analysis of it, and he said it's a very bad policy. I read it, and I said, oh, this is beautiful. I followed it to people. And it's a government policy. Don't think that I agree. Once it's government, it is right. No. They do what is wrong. I hope you know. You know why? Because they are about what? Flesh. And their breath goes through their ears. True or false? What does it pass through? Their nostrils. And God said, why do you regard man? Whose breath is in his nostrils? At least they're breathing through their skin. Maybe we'll stop worrying. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. So they make mistakes. But the negative aura that people release towards them is so strong they can hardly do right. Anytime I see anybody campaign for an office, especially when there's not, you know, like maybe this academic sector and stuff like that, or associations and all of that, I say, you try, oh, that you need grace. I respect the people. I know sometimes they are doing it for self-ambition, I know. But generally, I respect such people. Because me, I will resign on day two. If I, because I know every decision I'm making is not for my good. It's what I believe is, in the, is the, the best interest of the system, the institution or the organization. If I get critical appraisers too many times, I won't, won't fight you. I will just resign. You are making my job hard. I know I have a right spirit. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm not looking for anything for myself. So when I see people who, they will see, one day actually, somebody said, look, he's our, is he our chairman. He campaigned for that office. I went behind, told the chairman, please ignore that fellow. Because I knew it if it was me. If people don't arise and rebuke that fellow, I'm resigning. Because I campaigned for the office. So that's why you talk to me anyhow. I'll reply you openly. How much are you paying me? I feel so when people say, when people say congrats, one of my friends, I saw him today. Oh, they say congratulations. I said, what is it? He said, oh, he's now the dean of their faculty. And I said to him, sorry, congrats, Sha, but I'm really sorry for you, Pele. Now, now your life. <laughs> now I told him, I said, oh, Teaching all these years in university was not work. Now you are the dean of the faculty, you will see work. I know the work the HOD does. You know, you know, HOD is a troubled human being. So I saw the guy this morning. They said, oh, congratulations. I heard you are not. I said, what? He said, oh, it's the new dean. I saw this guy for feeling sorry for him. Why did he take the job? Did you know the problems? <laughs> no, leadership. Eh? Please, when you see leaders... Just respect them. Please, just pity them. Stop saying things like they are the ones eating the money in the country. Believe me, they are the ones suffering. They, are, they suffer. Are they eating the money? I don't know. That was not my own side. I'm just looking at the Christian side. As a believer, I understand the pressures. I understand it. Let God judge whoever it is that is eating money. But you at least contribute a right spirit to help the fellow do well. Say a good word. I do that once in a while. Just go behind. Send the chairman a, a, a message. Ah, God bless you. You guys are working hard. We appreciate you. Not on the general platform. Just behind. Because most people are saying that they are, they are calculating how much are they getting. This one, they traveled now. How much is the extra code? That's what people are calculating. But me, I'm looking at the pressure that they are under. Tomorrow, say, police will even call them because somebody wrote petition. You know, some people are very wicked. They don't write petition against you. 
you start traveling up and down to Is it more here? They didn't do anything just because they wrote a petition. It may take you the next three months to finally explain and prove to the police people that that guy is not normal. They do not find that he has been petitioning everything. That in fact, there's currently a petition against the rats in their neighborhood with the police. <laughs> the Lord is good. Listen, we are not in opposition. What did I say? We are in prophet, pro, 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 prophetition. Find me a word. Find me a word. I need words. I need a word that sounds like opposition, but it's prophet. Manufacture one for me before I finish, please. We are not, eh? Exactly. We are in prophetition. Thank you very much. You're in the spirit. We are in prophetition. We are not in opposition. We are in what? Prophetition. Praise God. <laughs> Prophets don't run commentaries. They don't predict. They arrange. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. Prophets don't run commentary. They don't predict. They arrange. By their words, they compel spiritual rearrangement. This is what prophets do. They have a straight line, which is the word of God, like this. And everything around is crooked. Like this. So they start using words to align this. Push this one back up. Put one in this one in order. Put this one like this. Put it like this. How? With prophetic words. That's why sometimes you appear as if they predicted and it did not come to pass. Because it was not a prediction. It was what? An arrangement. They were forcing things to come back into the order that God created it to be. And so when some people who have influence spiritually in that area don't cooperate with them, the thing remains crooked. You now say this prophet prophesied a thing and did not come to pass. No. He gave you the line of God, the straight road of God, that everything must be, you know, conformed to. And you rejected it. I'll begin the point. And you rejected it. That rejection. That's why he said the word preached. Let's use the other word. The word prophesied. Because it was all prophecy. God is taking you to a new land. A land where you will have no lack. A land where you will not have to water with your foot. That is the irrigation system. A land that drinks um, uh, rain. Uh, drinks water from the rains of heaven. A land that is secure. A land that flows with milk and honey. You will overcome. You will take the land. Your enemies will flee from before you. And those are prophetic words. Did it happen to, the, to that generation? No. They didn't get into the land. Why? Because the word preached did not profit them. Why? It was not mixed with faith in their hearts. So we won't say the prophet lied. Or he did not see accurately. That is the difference between prophecy and prediction. A prophet prophesies. He doesn't predict. What is a prediction? That is, in five days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Or 40 days. And it must be destroyed. I'm sure. It's going to be destroyed. That's a prediction. A prophecy is different. A prophecy has behind it the will of God. So, um, what's the name of our bro? Jonah goes there. 40 days hence, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Shall be overthrown. Now, what is the will of God? That men will not perish. It's always the will of God. It was never the will of God for Nineveh to be overthrown. But the result of their sins and their iniquities. Remember I said Jeremiah and Co. they actually warn. They threaten. 
You, we look at that as predictions. When it's negative, they are not predictions. They are warnings. So that happened for, to be for that generation a warning. And then they heeded the warning. So Jonah sat down and waited for destruction. Because when he saw himself, he didn't understand that I'm not a predictor, I'm a prophet. So sometimes prophets will prophesy. And then the people will modify. And once they modify their activities, then God rearranges things. Things have actually become arranged according to the pattern of God. So, Jonah said, 40 days you'll be gone. Then the people heard, went to the king. Look at what this prophet is saying. And he said, what do we do? Let's repent. Everybody, start fasting. Start praying. Start repenting. Break away from doing evil. And when God saw it, he relented. 40 days came. Jonah said, was this not what I said? God said, you missed my point. Even if I don't say some things, you have understanding. He said, do you know how many people are in there that don't know they are left from their right? You think I like to kill them? They've done what I really like. God does not want anyone to perish, but that all will come to what? Repentance. That's always the will of God. They have aligned their lives with my will. The prophecy has had its effect. Don't think you failed. Rick Jonah said, Jonah was one of the most anointed prophets in history. A reluctant prophet, but anointed still. Jeremiah prophesied, prophesied more than Jonah. Who believe? Jonah reluctantly said, the whole city changed. According to Rick Jonah, that's, an, that's the evidence of a heavy anointing. That the anointing was so heavy. The man spoke, didn't even finish the whole three days journey around the city. For a day and a half, he spoke, and the whole city changed. Please, I hope you're getting my point. Prophets, they, they, they don't predict. They are forcing, no, they are straightening that which was crooked by their words. They are descript- what do you hear them say? Are the, are the, those things are the, they are describing God's straight line, God's will, God's order. So when he tells you, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, speak kindly to Jerusalem. Say to her that her warfare has ended and she has received double from, uh, from, from the hand of the Lord for all her iniquities. Listen, that is telling you what God has as his will. That anyone who believes in Christ, your warfare has ended. But many people will not believe the way they are supposed to believe and they think it's a prediction, so they assume that the warfare has ended. Say, no, no, you have not believed. It's not a prediction. It's a prophecy. Prophetic words are activated. I hope you're getting my point. One of the ways you activate prophetic words is through prayer. That's Once the prophetic word has gone, it can hang in the air until somebody decides to take it by force. So this word has gone out. I'm going to hold it and take it by force. How do I take it by force? Look, every prophetic word, whether it is stated or not, has implicit conditions. Go and look for the conditions and start fulfilling those conditions while declaring that those words belong to you. Every prophetic word has what? Implicit conditions. That is, when we say implicit, it's not just, it may not be obvious, but it is there. It's hidden therein. He said through that prophet, he said through that prophet to the house of Eli, did I not say that your father's house will be priest before me forever? He said, now far it be from me. Why? Because who, whoever honors me, I will what? I will honor. And then you and your sons have dishonored me. 
so the prophetic word will become inactive in your life. That's all. And Paul said it like this. Seeing that we have this, now pardon me to just modify something a bit. Seeing that we have these prophecies. He said promises, right? The same thing, in effect. Seeing that we have these prophecies, what do we do? We cleanse ourselves of all what? Defilement of flesh and spirit. Now, what does that tell you? Without the cleansing, the promises are inactive. It's clear. Some people who preach grace say, oh, Jesus has done everything. You don't have to do anything. It's not true. It is not true. You have to prepare yourself to receive that which Jesus has done. I hope you're getting my point. If the promise is delayed, ask yourself, what's the condition I'm not fulfilling? You must understand that you are not paying. Let me explain this again. You are not paying. You are not paying. You are preparing to receive it. Let me give you a very simple illustration. Let us assume that you're supposed to move into, okay, you came to town for something. You're going to stay there for like about, it's been in town for like two weeks. And I go, I arrange the best hotel room in town for you. Of course, you know the meals, buffet, everyone. Okay, every meal, buffet. The room is a massive suite. You have everything you need there. But the nurse said, listen, no. We don't wear red to enter this hotel. But you arrived in town. Your first shirt is red. The second trouser is red. Your shoes, red shoes. Now, let me ask you a question. If you now call me and say, ah, they say I can't enter. I say, why can't you enter? I've paid them. Now, they say, oh, that red is not allowed. And I say, oh, I'm so sorry. Could you please go and change your red clothes? Just buy some red, uh, some um, other colors and wear into the hotel. Have you paid for the room? Eh? You paid for the room? I paid. It's been paid for. Maybe you didn't realize that that room, I'm shelling out 100000 a night. But the cost of a blue singlet is maybe 600 naira. So even if you have to quickly change your wardrobe for the week, maybe you spend like 5000 naira, buy some inexpensive clothes. You can't say, ah, I have now paid for the hotel. You're going to be staying there for weeks at my ex. I paid. It's just that the rule is that for certain reasons, Maybe because that's how they know terrorists, so they don't want to shoot you. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. So you go, you spend a bit of money to qualify yourself to step into what somebody else has already prepared. If you go to another town and wear, wear all kinds of colors, that hotel is not ready for you. I hope you're getting my point. That's why some people take some, call it Christian principles. They want to apply it elsewhere. If Jesus did not die for you, they don't work. So when Paul said, let's cleanse ourselves of all defilement, he's saying, Mm-mm. what God has prepared, certain things in your life cannot enter. He's not saying that what you are doing is paying for it. He said, let us cleanse ourselves. What I'm going to explain is that, so every prophetic word has what? Implicit conditions. It is your job to look for it. If you want to be an effective priest, what do you, be, what do you learn? How to honor God. That's it. What does it take to be to last in priesthood? As Eli was told, it is learn how to honor God. Treat his sacrifices with respect. Comport yourself properly with the people that minister in the temple. And you will last and your household, your family's lineage as priests before him. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. What am I trying to say? So when prophetic words come out, 
the, what prophecies do is to set, to, okay, let me use the word, to attempt to set that which is crooked, to set it straight. And what it does, first of all, is to bring out a plumb line, bring out a straight pipe, bring out a standard. And those words are usually declared as if they are final. Then everybody now says, that's the standard. My life is not exactly in accordance with that standard. So we start finding, why is it not like that? Prophecies come to guide us into the will of God. They're not predictions of what will just happen. Some of them look like predictions. We mix everything up. Sometimes some things are set. For example, the coming of Jesus is set by a time and a season that the Father himself has determined. And no man knows the hour. But Jesus will come back most certainly. But you know what? Peter even told us that we can hasten it. See, see the kind of thing I'm saying? So if we can hasten it, it means that some conditions are there to fulfill before he returns. That's another point. Please, I hope you're getting my point. So I want us to understand what prophecies are and what they are not. Then let me focus again for a moment on the job of the prophets. The job of the prophets, therefore, you will not stand up and say, Hi, everything is crooked, though. They will not do what I call reverse engineering. You go out. Everything is crooked. It shall be crooked. It shall be crooked. Crookedness is your portion. It's crooked. You don't do that. Do you, do you get what I'm going to say? You don't change the words based on what you are seeing outside. Why? Your words are supposed to arrange what you are seeing outside. So you don't modify, just by the way, let me say it. Don't ever let the society change for you the word of God. If God says something is abnormal, you know what? It's abnormal. Even if everybody is doing it, they are all abnormal people. Like it's been said, salvation is not supposed to be by survey. Average is not the same as normal. Common is not the same as normal. Everybody does it is not the same as normal. I hope you are getting my point. That's what they call salvation by survey. What is common is normal. What is average is normal. No. God sets a standard. We are supposed to every day learn the standard of God. But again, let me sit on my assignment for today. I'm, I'm, I'm needing to build this thing up. Okay? So God has a will. Earth has disorder. So God says, prophets, go in there and rearrange everything. So what we do, now listen to what I want to say now. Remember, who are prophets? Can you point to at least five prophets around you? Just five. Don't forget me. <laughs> Alright? So you see? And then, of course, you forgot yourself too. There are two people you should not have forgotten. Me and you. There are three to it. Let's do it again. There are so many people prophesying that I'm a prophet. That's good. But I cannot do it. So everybody sitting down here, you are prophets. Everyone listening to me, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you are a prophet. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, we know there are people who are called special into the ministry of prophet. That's another dimension. But generally, we are all prophets. What does that mean? We are the ones that straighten that which was crooked. How do we do it? By prophesying the will of God or the word of God. We read a particular portion of the scripture now. I want to introduce a, a, you know, a habit of prayer for us, which I've discussed here over the last uh, few weeks. Now, listen to this. We read it from here. It said, the earth will be full of the knowledge of God. As what? You know what that means? It's not just that people will know. It said the earth. It didn't say the people. 
Did he say the people? What did he say? The S. The S. There's something I want to bring out. He didn't say the people, even though they are part of it. The people will be full of the knowledge of God. The earth will be full of the knowledge of God. Let me say something to you. Now, let's go into a bit of mysticism. Does that make any sense? What I've just said now? Let's just talk about mysticism a bit. What I mean is that let's look beyond what we see. Remember Rafiki? Look beyond what you see. Let's look beyond what we see. How many of us are in this hall? Don't count the people you can see. There are many people inside this hall you can't see. They're not supposed to scare you. Say, Pastor Mark, what are you saying? Yes. There are many people. And there are all kinds of, you know, in the realm of the spirit, there are different, not everybody is, there are different kinds of beings, intelligent beings in the, around, let me just put it like that. God is one, number one, and is a class of his own, all right? We human beings, below that, there are angels. Angels are different. There are seraphims. There are cherubims. There are fallen angels. Somebody said they are different from demons. Don't quote me. Quote him. Yes, there are, there are fallen angels. There are demons. You know there are demons? Yes. I've just counted a few that I know. There are probably more than that. Some of them are commonly on the earth. Some don't come to the earth. They stay only in the heavenly realms. But around, you know, I've said this to you before, in the Garden of Eden, the common misconception is that only Adam and Eve stayed there. And God left them to be fooling themselves around. And so they were primitive human beings using stone. They said stone age. That stone age never existed at the beginning. It came in when men sinned and God cursed them. If you ever said anybody in stone age, no say iniquity is fulfilled in their lives. All those they dig, dig, they see two stones, this thing. Those were children playing. I don't know what I heard I said. You know, archaeology is a very funny thing. They mix all kinds of things up. Archaeology has done a lot of good work and a lot of lies. Just because you saw a weapon tied that is made out of a piece of wood and stone does not mean that's how they hunted. The boys are playing a sport called kill em. So they say, who is the first that will hunt down that antelope? So the small boys carry this thing say, can you kill an antelope without a spear? So someone said, no problem. So he took a stone, carved it, tied it to a, to a piece of wood, and went into the bush to hunt. Then one day he left it there, and then everybody died. Then 3,000 years later, some people came, dug it up. No, 500 years later, some will come, dig it up, and say, oh, primitive man was here. There were children playing. Did you not play when you were a child? <laughs> Didn't you roll tire? Okay, all these, all these people born this day, they didn't roll tire. <laughs> when we're children, we roll tire. You know they call to roll tire. My children have never rolled tire. And they said they are children. This will have to become children. No? <laughs> you roll bicycle tire. And you roll car tire. That also, some people say, what is rolling tire? If you are you pretend like you know. You know. You know. Did you roll tire? It's a boy's thing. If you roll tire, you are transgender. <laughs> It's for the boys. <laughs> they will be rolling tires. Sometimes no go green roll. Then they say, put water. You put water. No, there was a put engine oil. That one works. 
you smoothing the tip of your wood. Now imagine someone will now find it later. I said, those that didn't have cars, they moved around by rolling tire. Does it make sense? <laughs> A lot of archaeology, that is what it is. Misunderstanding of what happened those days. Just because it tried to build a whole story out of small pieces of things. I'm not a bigger than issue here. All right? Adam was not alone in the garden. God didn't leave him to be stumbling around, make stone today. The angels told him, listen, bros, when you want to dig copper out of that hill, you will dig copper. If you want to dig iron, the Lord kept it here. He said, there are things that he has hidden so you will not be lazy. He hid diamonds inside here. Right now, you will find some gold around this particular river. If you want more gold, you dig over there. The gold has been broken into dust, mixed with sand. This is what you are going to do. This is how to extract gold. So he and the angels will sit down. And they will practice it. That Adam was never a fool. He had seniors in the garden who explained things to him. You know, think about it. If God was coming to talk to you, do you like to come and sit down and be talk, talking with a one-year-old who has no sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't. You won't keep appointments with that. I will forget my point. There's something I tell adults. Let me just quickly drop it for you. I never did that with children. That is one mistake adults make. If a child pronounces something wrongly, I never repeat what he says. Adults don't understand that. A lot of adults. If a child says, this is table, tell him it is table. But you know what I say? Ah, okay, go to the table. He heard you right the first time. You are now confusing him. Because when he said table, he was trying to pronounce table. Then when you now started hearing table, now say, oh God, make up your mind. Is it table or table? Because when he said table, he was trying to learn the right thing. So I tell adults, keep on repeating the right thing. They learn faster like that. I hope you're getting my point. What I'm going to say, even if Adam didn't know something, God didn't come there to sit down and be looking and say, oh, foolish stone age Adam. No. Jesus came to teach him things. He taught him things. Just bear that in mind. I'm going to emphasize to you that don't think we are the only ones in this hollow. When you are driving in your car, some people take a ride. They just don't tell you. Some ride on your bonnet. Some ride on the roof. Some ride on the boot. Some ride inside the engine. They say, why inside the engine? Yeah. You didn't know that your brake, this thing that it has caught. One wicked soul, an evil one, came and caught it so that you can have accident and die. Then when they finished cutting it, another angel went, sat down there, carried the two ends, joined it together. And he held it. As you are driving, you are feeling like James Bond. Boom, 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 boom. You hit the brake. The brake will hold. Mm. Then as soon as you park next day, you see all your oil on the floor. Say, so how did this happen? One evil spirit <laughs> caught it before you left. You say, look, hoping you will enter into the Niger River. You drove all the way to Enugu because one guy rode inside the engine at the time and held it for you. And they do that all the time. I'm not joking about that. It may sound funny, but I mean it in literal terms. They allowed you to get home. They are, I mean, I've had that experiment. You get home, you wonder, this car got here. The one that happened to me last time, my wife and I traveled, went to Benin. I drove down my big, uh, you know, 
truck. Drove to Benin. So the next day was supposed to come. Just let her check on her parents. Next day was supposed to come back. I said, okay, let me quickly go and collect something from down the road, from the restaurant. I said, okay, let's drive there. We got there. I waited. For, it was a Friday, I remember, because I was following the Bible study here on Mixella, you know. And, no, Tuesday, I think, was a Tuesday, yes. As we turned, my car suddenly stopped. Ah. So I felt, oh, something small. I tried to start it again. It didn't start. Make it long, make it long story short. They had to go and get another battery to help me move the car from there. So we now couldn't travel next morning. Called the electrician. And the guy could almost swear that this car did not bring us from Enugu. That the amount of damage he saw in the electric car, that's the alternator. No. So what it seemed like, I had my eight now. The car is almost five liter engine. You know, it's a big engine. Eight cylinders, firing, neat. All the eight cylinders. AC was on throughout. He looked at it, no, this alternator spoiled long ago. So you can't tell me you drove from Enugu to this place only on your battery. We got, we got there, no, there was no trouble, though. And we will started again next day, but I just say, please, I want to go and collect. I said, okay, let's just take a, a ride together. Just down the street. Then the car stopped there and died there. It had to, it wasn't two. They had to get another battery, big battery, to take the car back. And the alternator, the guy came next day and looked and said, no. This thing is really bad. I just told with my wife, see, God brought us here. We thought our car was good. One day, just where I go, one day, will give you a kick from behind. Oh, your engine is not working. You think your engine is working. Your engine don't die. Today. <laughs> then when they go to the place, they get somebody to fix it. They do it all the time. So you're not alone. You are not alone. That's one truth. Next truth. Sit at your chair. Touch your chair. It has ears. It hears. I know this is plastic, but it hears. How do I know? Rock can hear. Mountains can hear. They hear the Lord coming, they move out of the way. This thing has ears. Inanimate objects around you. Things that look like they are what you call non-living things. One thing we don't know in science is that they have ears. What's the shape of their ears? I don't know. Which, at what frequency did they, did they hear? I also don't know. But do they hear? Most certainly. Next group of things that are here, living things. Cockroaches here. I hope you know that. They do. And I don't mean the sound of your voice when you are coming, or your footsteps and they run. No. I mean, there are things they hear. Insects here. So I wanted to say birds here. Dogs here. Animals they hear. And listen to this, trees here. Jesus spoke to a tree. It heard him. Please bear these things in mind. So when we are prophesying, oh, let me tell you something. The planets also hear. The sun hears. The moon hears. Jupiter hears. Asteroids, they hear. And listen to me, they hear this, the voice of the Son of God and they hear the voice of the prophets of God. Nations hear. When I say nations, the aggregation of people that you call a country, or you call a tribe, or you call nations, they hear. How do they hear? I don't know, but they hear. So what I'm telling you, I said, let's go a bit of mysticism. I know what I'm saying. I'm not, I wasn't joking when I said it, even though it sounded funny. They hear. They do hear. 
Why would God say to them, oh, Jesus, all right, speak to Moses, say, go and speak to that rock, if the rock wasn't going to hear. He was supposed to speak to the rock, bring forth water. And then he's going to go there and say, rock, 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 rock. No. He just stand in front of the rock. Rocky, bring forth water. You know what will happen? The rock will have cracked open and caused water to gush from inside it. Now, you know what I'm saying, though? So, all these things. Prophets, be careful, though. Please tell your second prophet, say, be careful, though. Watch your prophecy. Let me tell you another thing. If you want your prophecy to be accurate, stop prophesying your desires. You have to resist the temptation to fill your prophecies with your desires. Your prophecies must be filled with what? The word of God. Your prophecies must be filled with the word of God. If you are speaking now, why I said this, I said is that, because one of the things we must do is to speak into the air. Now, first thing, because I'm watching my time, and I want us to do something this evening before we go. The first thing I want us to learn to prophesy is the glory of God. Did you hear what I said? The first thing I want us to learn to prophesy is what? The glory of God. Now, I want you to listen to this. I want to give something to illustrate. Have you ever heard Muslims pray? Every Tom, Dick, and Harry knows the first line of their prayer. Everybody knows it. And they say that thing, I don't know how many times a day. It's an exclamation. Apart from prayer, that's how they exclaim. They declare that their God is the greatest. In prayer, they say it. When they want to exclaim, they say it. Is the reason, well, it's not because of them now, but I do something similar to that when I exclaim. I, de- I did it deliberately. Because exclaim, we must exclaim. We must use, in quote, in quote, swear words. Is which one you will use that's the only thing you can train yourself in. Don't say, I will not swear. You must swear. You know what I'm trying to say? Is which swear will you swear that's in line with the will of God? And that's one way to train yourself. Some people say, no, I will not swear again. Bro, swear. Just just switch the swear word. Instead of saying poo-poo. Are you getting my point? You say, blessing. Hey. Grace. But you must say something. You can decide to use the word glory as your swear word. You hear, bam, as a car jumps the other one. Say, glory, what's going on there? One I began to use was Jesus is Lord, and it stuck with me. And one day I had one of my kids, the younger one did something. He said, he, Jesus is Lord. And I said, Father, I thank you. I'm learning a good habit. You know what they are doing? By doing that, you are declaring the lordship of Jesus even into the situation. Yeah, prophets, listen. I'm talking to prophets. Learn how to prophesy appropriately. Because everything I referred to earlier, every person I referred to earlier, they are listening. They are hearing. What you are saying is affecting them. God hears you. It affects the way he responds to you. Angels hear you. The Bible says they hearken unto the voice of of his word. You know what that tells you? So they are mighty in strength. What do they do? They hearken unto the voice of his word. They didn't say they hearken unto his voice, unto, unto his word. He said what? They hearken unto the voice of his word. You know what I picked from, what I picked from that? Wherever that voice is sounding from, whoever the voice is, 
Once it is of his word, the hacker. So you don't need to shout at angels. Those that they will tell, tell that we pray, tell angels, move. The angels don't need you to tell them to move. It's an insult. Can't the angels, hey, move, I command you to move. They look, at, look like a, a Michael to you. Are you an archangel? You're a child of God. There's a difference between archangel and child of God. Behave yourself. It's true. Christians say, no. They say, no, you tell angels. I command angels to begin to move. Angels say, I'm warning you. <laughs> but if you want them to move, for example, you are in need. Instead of saying, angels, go and bring me money. You don't need to say that. Say, Father God, you supply all my needs according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I declare, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They hear that one. They hear it. They don't obey you. They obey the voice of his word. You think they have time for spoiled children who are wanting everything? Say, angels, I command you, bring me a Lamborghini. Angels, say, where you go, driver? None of your business. Just bring it. Say, I'm not bringing I'll report it to my father. Is that his word? Are <laughs> you getting my point? You are an angel with a coil over nothing. <laughs> No, we're taught to say, just command the angels. I learned that one long ago. You can't command the angels. You, com- you, you issue the word of God. They always respond. You, they always respond. They always respond. They always respond. You de- maybe you are traveling. You declare things like, the Lord surrounds me. Like the mountains surround Jerusalem. The angels of the Lord encompass around those who fear him and deliver them. You know what? They've heard it. You don't have to say, angel, encompass around me right now. Deliver me. Ah. He said, he will give what? His angels charge. Not angels. You get I'm talking angels. Give me not my ways. You don't talk to angels. Almost it borders on angel worship and prayer to angels. Don't talk to them. He will give what? His angels charge. He's the one that will give it. But you put that word on your mouth, they will hear it. You put that word on your mouth, they will hear it. Don't forget what I said. Everything around you hears. Everything hears. The f- number one thing you prophesy is what? The glory of God. And that's one thing we often don't do. You know what we prophesy a lot of times? The glory of the head of state. The glory of Nigeria army. What is Nigeria army doing about the situation? How can Boko Haram come all the way to Kaduna and kidnap school children. I think the president should fire the service chiefs. Because if he can fire the service chiefs, he put people there who can walk. And those who can walk will come and they will drive away. You know what you have done? You are every moment declaring the glory or otherwise of the president, the army, the service chiefs, and you have most importantly neglected to declare the glory of God. That is one thing I have found out. Let me say this, please. We have to learn not to pray prayers driven by need and lack. Pastor Corey says something. That's as if the devil is the one that controls how Christians pray. He wants us to pray. He would scare us who pray. Let me modify, use my own words. It's as if it's need and lack that determines when we pray and when we don't pray. If we are okay, no prayer. If God just wants us to pray, just, just afflict him small. In the name of Jesus, I command, I declare, I decree, I worship, I give thanks. You use all kinds of methods to get healed. You know what? starting the prayer? Sickness. Sickness is almost like Lord. So if, if Satan doesn't want you to pray, say, tell all the demons, no temptation, no affliction. 
Don't worry, just give him DSTV. Movie magic, Africa magic, plus uh, sports, all the sporting channels. They will be, and make sure water flows. There's no power failure. And, the, and you know what? Christians will go for years. They will even forget to give things before they eat. And I'm saying to us today, it's not supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be like that. Why did I read that portion? It said, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There are different sides to this prophetic word. But one way by which it will be full of the knowledge of God is that the prophets will constantly declare that knowledge. Every day they are declaring the glory of God. That's why I use the Muslim prayer as an example. It's a beautiful example. It's a habit I learned just a few weeks ago, and I began to teach in my house. I practice myself. Sometimes I just wake up. Sometimes I'm not saying I do 100%. Sometimes I'm just learning to do. I just take in the morning, take a section of scriptures. There's no prayer as asking. Heal me, supply, protect. No. Just to declare the glory of God into the atmosphere. Just to say, who is Lord? Remember, everybody's hearing. You are hearing. God himself is hearing. Jesus the Son is hearing. Angels are hearing. Seraphims are hearing. Cherubims are hearing. Demons are hearing. Yeah, they are hearing. The devil himself, he can hear it. The floor, the ground on which you stand to declare those words, hears it. The trees around, they hear it. Mosquitoes hear it. Insects, other insects, bees, they hear it. They do, they do. I'm not joking about that, they do. Let me tell you something. This world is always trying to enthrone man as God. They do it very subtly. Every problem is man-caused. Every solution is man-determined. Why is everywhere hot global warming? Oh, so why is there global warming? The cars we drive. How do we stop it? We will reduce carbon em- emission. To Now, let me tell you the truth. Here, this one is predictive, prophetic, out of understanding is the word of God. Everything you hear about that is a lie. I don't want to sit on that now. It's a lie. One day, very soon, this world will be so cool. And the Satan worshippers who are who promoting the media, you know what they will just do? They just stop talking about it. Then another generation will come and forget all the lies they told. The one we make is that every time we are trying to elevate what? Man. And we, the prophets of God, we have an assignment, which is what? To magnify the Lord. David said, magnify the Lord with me. What does it mean to magnify the Lord? It means to magnify the Lord. Talk more. You know how do you magnify something? You make it thing bigger. If I have a small dot here, sometimes you want to read something. You know, some people write so tiny. You wonder whether they really want us to read it. That's why they call it fine print. Why do you put fine print at the back of a bottle of wine? They want us to get drunk before we know we're drinking alcohol. <laughs> so sometimes we know, when I look at it, you look, you look and see. I get my phone. If I, I used to have an app on one of my former phones. It's called Magnifier. Just click my five, boom. It makes it bigger. You will now read it, say, hey, we can so this is 35% alcohol. Give this to him who wants to perish. Thank you very much. <laughs> the Lord is good. What I want to say, you magnify, you make it bigger. Let me give you in practical terms. How do you magnify the Lord? You talk more about the Lord. It's simple. How do you magnify the Lord? It is simple. Talk more about the Lord. 
Talk more about his deeds. Talk more about his glory. Speak more about, that is how you magnify the Lord. You can't just drop one tiny word once in the morning and then complain morning till night, magnify PDP, magnify APC, magnify the president, magnify the governor because as the cause of all the problems. And at night you want to pray in faith. It doesn't work like that. We have said that real faith is what? Constant. Real faith is what? Constant. You have faith in God constantly. It is constant. Let me invite us to this practice. Which is why I'm teaching all of this. Let's put it like this. At least twice a day, most importantly, first in the morning. Speak the glory of God into the air. You know what I found out? The book of Psalms. Oh, we read it a lot in my house. The book of Psalms was given to us, or the books, there are five of them. They were given to us for such an assignment. That's why the, that's why the book was given, those books were given to us. David, by the unction of God, wrote of the glory of God. Quickly, let's read a few of them. Quickly, let's open the book of Psalms. Psalm, let me use the one that we've been using in our house. Let's start from Psalm 90. Now, we're going to do a few. Uh, I, I, I have three of them, 94, 95, 96, and 97. Even 90, you will just get different ones, you know. But I'm not going to see whether we should start from 94. Sometimes I stitch them, join them together, form different declarations. But what I want to emphasize today is that prophets prophesy the glory of God. Magnify the Lord, like David said. Make it an assignment. I'm inviting you this day to wake up in the morning and let the first thing you do as the day is about to start, before you even go out, before you do anything, declare God's glory into the air. Declare the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let every living being around you, let them hear. And let even the ones that are not living, let them hear. Like the bed you just got off from, let it hear. The room you stay in, in, let it hear. The roof over your head, let it hear. I pray we understand that these things have ears and they respond to us. We complain a lot. We remark a lot. We have a lot of human solutions to problems. But one way we start activating divine solutions is, first of all, start magnifying God over every situation. Now, you, don't, you know, sometimes, like, I, I, you see, I just said it now, over every situation. It doesn't have to be a situation. Just magnify him anyhow. Just magnify him How? Anyhow, anyhow, just magnify the Lord anyhow. What am I recommending? Wake up in the morning and do something like this. I'll read from Psalm 94. He said, Oh Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exalt? They pour forth words. They speak arrogantly. All who do wickedness vaunt themselves. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the wicked widow and the stranger and mother the orphans. They have said, the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob pay heed. Pay heed, you senseless among the people. And when will you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge. The Lord knows the thoughts of man. 
that they are a mere breath. Let me just read this next section. Blessed is the one whom you, you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord, now notice these powerful words, for the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. For judgment will again be righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will stand up? Look, let me just stop there in verse 15. Judgment will again be righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Look at verse 95. It says, I start from verse 3. That's how we do it in my house. The Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peak of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. He said, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. We'll take a break there. Everybody now rise to your feet. Let's read the next one together. We're going to read the whole of Psalm 96, and then we'll read the first portion of Psalm 97. We'll read that one to verse um, 9. So we're reading from 96 to 97. Because of order, this is how we're going to do it. I'll read verse 1. You read the next verse. I'll read verse 2, verse 3, and we'll do like that till we get to that portion of Psalm 97. Now, remember what are we doing? We're having a trial run, practice. Please, if you are listening to this, you are here physically, or you are joining us from somewhere, it's a habit I'm asking you to get involved in. You don't have to read all of this. Pick, pick a section. It may just be five verses, six verses. They are different ones. That's what I'm doing now, selecting different ones I see. Just extract them. Just wake up in the morning. Just face the window and know that you are speaking to all those people that I mentioned that are with you. You are never alone. They need to hear. The things around need to hear also. The world needs to hear. The nation needs to hear. The air outside needs to hear. The clouds must hear. The birds flying past must hear these things. We need to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God as the water covers the sea. We need to fill the earth. Yes, there's preaching to somebody. As a matter of fact, there is. There is preaching for people to hear you and to live in righteousness. But there is a part of it in which you just get up and declare it loud. Songs are good for that. Sometimes it's a song you know. You just wake up in the morning and you sing it. Sing a few verses of that song in the morning. But now I want you to bear it in mind. Consciously, you are doing the job of what? A prophet. God didn't give you, I mean, imagine you tell somebody he's a doctor, he never treats anything. You, you just say, boy, forget it, you're not a doctor, let's leave that. Somebody comes to you, he's a driver, say, I've not driven in 18 years. Say, bros, why are you using that title? Are you getting my point? I'm a photographer. Ah, I used to take pictures 35 years ago. Just say, I was. I hope you're getting my point. I was. It's a better expression. I'm a preacher, you have, never, you have not preached the last six years. Just say, I was a preacher. I'm called, but, like, but I come to Ken Hagen, I'm hopelessly unfaithful. <laughs> it's Ken Hagen that said that some preachers you see said they are either not called or they are hopelessly unfaithful. <laughs> what am I saying? We can't say we are prophets and we are not prophesying. I've already established it's not the job of probably predicting. Because you say, a prophet, your friend say, What do you see vision for me now? Say, I'm not a seer. Say, I'm a prophet. No, they are seers. I know seers, though. I know a few seers, they can see. 
They are called seers. Samuel was a seer. Samuel was a prophet, but on top of that, he was a seer. Just come to Jerry, uh, Samuel's house to be telling his story. As you're telling his story, he's seen everything that happened. He said, ah, maybe two couple comes, husband and wife. Then the man said this one. <laughs> My husband said like this. And then the man, the, the, uh, Samuel said, wait. What about that burnt uh, chicken that you kept at the back of the house? So the woman was like, how did you know about that? He said, the man was looking for it. That's what started. If I start from there. Do you follow my point? That's a seer. So you are not a seer. You may be called a seer. The Lord can, I mean, like the Lord can call into that ministry. But we are talking about the ministry of what? A prophet. Prophets take the word of God or the words of God and release them into the air. I hope you're getting my point. That is what, that's the primary assignment of prophets. Not to predict. Let me show you I'm a prophet. I'll tell you what's inside your pocket. Most of those who do it around, they have familiar spirits. You know what the Bible calls the spirits that people are mortal. Somebody comes to you and says, wait. You have 3,005 in your pocket. Just then and say, you are correct. Next, the Lord says you give it to me. Say, woe be tied. <laughs> Let the guy, my friend, leave me for there. Walking by familiar spirits. But we are prophets. And this is the assignment of prophets. Let's read. Let's declare. We are starting 96. I'll do, we'll do one verse. Everybody together will do the next one. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the earth. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his cause. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Notice what he said there. Yes, the word is established, but God will come and judge the peoples with equity. That's something you must declare all the time. I heard of one injustice yesterday. My skin crawled. My skin crawled. And I thought of this scripture. He will judge the peoples with equity. I thought of this scripture. That God will judge the peoples with equity. There's a kind of judgment. We're talking about forgive your enemies. It doesn't mean God will forgive some people. It's just you that he said, forgive them. Let me handle them. There's a kind of wickedness I heard. And I said, if this is really true, the God that I know will not let it pass. Verse 11. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. Listen to this. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Please read that last line with me. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Listen, he is coming to judge the earth. Somebody say amen. amen. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the, and let many islands be glad. 
Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. His lightning lights up the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples have seen his glory. Let all those be ashamed who serve graven idols, who boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion heard this and was glad, and the people of Judah have stopped. All of your judgments, O Lord. For you, everybody read nine together. For you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Read it one more time, verse 9. For you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. One more time. You are exalted far above all gods. One more time. You are exalted. Now for the last time. For you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. What am I saying to you? Let us do this regularly. I feel in my spirit, we need to release the judgment of God into the environment. Let me just warn you ahead of time. Judgment of God is not sweet though. But it cleanses. It cleanses. It purges. It releases the power of God to manifest the glory of Jesus on the earth. We need to do this. We need to, it's a call of the spirit. I'm convinced in my spirit. It's a call of the spirit for the moment. Get up in the morning and declare these things. This currently, they're my favorite, but they are different ones. Psalm 2 is a fantastic one. You take it and declare it. Now, I want you to just realize you're not doing a religious thing. You are doing your job. You are doing what? You are doing what? Say, I'm doing my job. I will do my job. I'm a prophet of the Most High. I release his glory into my environment. Father, we give you thanks for today. Thank you for this new unction, new assignment we are beginning to walk in. Thank you for the, the, the assignment you have kindled in us by this word of today. Lord, we yield ourselves, our members, as prophets, our tongues, our mouths, as prophetic instruments for this earth. The church will feel the effect. Please, I'm asking you, don't forget this thing. Put it down. Put an alarm to remind you every morning. Just a prophecy time. As you are studying your scriptures, some new scriptures will come to you. You don't have to use this. Put those scriptures down. Your next prophetic time, declare them. They don't have to be this long, like I said to you. I would recommend you, you, know, you compile something you know, from time to time. But anyone you compile, use it for at least a month. There's no law about that. It's just my simple you know, admonition guide. You compile something, next 30 days, you use it. Keep it somewhere, then compile another one. When I say compile, it can just be you extract a few scriptures. As you are reading, mark it. Thank God for these digital devices. You can copy and paste somewhere easily. Sometimes it's a song. Or maybe you are gifted. You know, there are people that they make songs. It comes out from them easily. You make it into a song. Every morning you just sing the song into the air. You just sing the song into the air. And if you are a psalmist, you are a musician, you know, you are into the praise worship thing. Please, it is not time to be releasing albums just to make us happy. 
just to sell and get um, streaming downloads and uh, so that uh, Spotify and Boom and uh, Apple Music can pay you money. Please, don't let them cardboard your spirit. Are you getting my point? Yes, don't let glory depart from you. Sit down and write prophetic words that people who don't believe in Christ will hear it and they get scared. That the Lord is coming to judge the earth. He will judge with equity. You declare over the airwaves everywhere that heed this warning, people of this earth. The judge of the whole earth is coming and he will judge every work. Politicians, he will judge. Wives, he will judge. Husbands, he will judge. Lecturers, he will judge. Students, he will judge. He will judge the whole earth. You know what? If we don't do this, we're not asking for peace. God does not always bring peace by everybody becoming peaceful. One major way he brings peace is to kill all troublemakers. So sometimes you seem to be a flare-up. No, it's God wiping out troublemakers. And after that, I said, there will be peace. Then you know my name. That's one of the things I like to declare. We do that a lot in my house. We declare this. He's the Lord. He makes wars cease. He's the Lord. He makes wars cease. That's the name of God. Declaring the glory of God, just declare his name into the air. Remember, many people are hearing. The Lord himself is hearing. And he's making him warm up. You hear my point? He starts warming up when he hears it. The angels are hearing it. They are warming up. Cherubims, they are hearing it. Demons are hearing it. And the Bible says what? They tremble with fear. They know there's trouble ahead. They know there's trouble ahead. The plants around the hear it. They bring forth fruit. The earth hears it. It brings forth fruit. Everything around we hear it and respond. If we would do our job as prophets of God. Just put up your hands again in surrender to this assignment. Say, Lord, fill me with the prophetic anointing afresh. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. But I think I need somebody to be singing with me periodically. There are times the song will just come inside, but I know I'll be singing. There's one song that came to my heart just now. It's an old song. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this testing of my soul. Wait, wait. Why must you sing like you want to sleep? Can't you sing with the tempo? Feel me till I want no more. Feel my cup. Fill it up and make me whole. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this testing of my soul. Breath of heaven, fill me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. Father, we receive a fresh anointing today. In the name of Jesus Christ. The power of God is going with you. In the name of Jesus. Let me say to you again, this is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Okay, let's share the grace in fellowship. Are you ready? One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. 
All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Quickly bless two people beside you. One on your left, one on your right. This is your season. And of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. One more person. This is your season. One last one for yourself. This is my season. Demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Cheer up, brethren. The word works. God bless you. See you on Friday. If you can make it.